0: Welcome back to another episode of Operations Avenue, an Alpha Kappa Psi podcast. This is Amber Hambach, CERC
1: for Area 1 and Area 2. Coral Peterson, CERC for Area 3 and 4. Alec Moran, Associate Director of Student Services. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Code of Conduct with members from the Judiciary Committee, Christian Carey. Mm Carrie everybody, welcome back to Operations Avenue. We have some great guests to cover our code of conduct at a chapter level today. I will let our guests introduce themselves. Um, Carrie, if you wanna go first.
2: My name is Carrie Dixon. I am the JC Vice Chair. My home chapter is WSU Washington State uh, Beta Lambda. Um, I've been volunteering for I don't know how long, um, but I've served in this capacity. I've been, the I'm a past executive officer for the fraternity as the executive vice president. I've served as a CA and just as a been an active alumni since um, I became alumni back in mid mid 2000s. So like 2005 or so. Um, As far as how I started on the JC after I was done, with my term as executive vice president, there was a couple of opportunities to come up um, that allowed me to volunteer in a capacity to help with investigations, and from that, um, the JC liked what I did and asked me to to join, and I've been here for the last four and a half five years now.
3: So hey everyone, uh, my name is Christian Nuccio. I'm the chair of Al Capizai's Judiciary Committee. Uh, I've been a volunteer for uh, about. 10, yeah, I guess 11 years now, it's 2021. Um, I was a student at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte uh, at Omega chapter. And from there, I became a volunteer um, in the Mideast region, which is what it was called back then doing risk management at the chapter level. And just kind of progressed through risk management roles at the section level, at the regional level, um, was eventually brought on for, for a few disciplinary hearings by the judiciary committee. Um joined the Judiciary Committee back in the, around the 2014 time frame, and I've uh, been the chair for the last few years. I'm very fortunate to work on a, on a crew of people who are really experts when it comes to risk management. Um, and so uh, we have a great team set up. Uh, a lot of them contributed to the topics that we're going to be talking about today.
0: All right. So just to jump into things, um, the Code of Conduct was rolled out in October of 2020, I believe. And I know both of you guys had um, a really big role in creating that. So can you talk about how that came about and why um, you guys believe that it was necessary to move from risk reduction and risk management to conduct regarding the code of conduct?
3: Yeah. So uh, there were a couple of reasons for this transition. I mean, the the biggest one I think to help the students out is the the rules we've been using and, and continue to use in the code of conduct um, are are put in place to protect our organization, but also to protect the members. Um, and so, a lot of times you have to get very detailed on, on exactly what we expect from from our members and from our guests uh, when we're trying to create, you know, create a safe environment for everybody. Uh, the code of conduct was a rewrite of the policies we already had in place designed to simplify what we have uh, and put it all in one document so our students could have very easy access to understanding here's the conduct we expect of the members and here's what happens when our members aren't meeting that conduct through the disciplinary process maybe one of the the most important reasons for our members is, is that understanding that you know this one document is something that you can give to your Uh, JRB chair or your compliance committee chair and say, you know, for the next year, I expect you to to really understand this document in detail and understand the procedures in it. Um, And you know, the other piece, I think, is is maybe a little of a loftier ideal that we have. Alpha Kappa is designed to make principled business leaders. And and I think a lot of times we focus on that term business leaders, but really principled is is a big part of what we do here Uh, and understanding that, you know, Our organization is is designed to address difficult, ethical and and moral issues that that are in play when it comes to the business environment. Um, So the code of conduct was kind of reframed with that thought in mind, understanding, you know, our core values are something that are important to us and how do we codify our core values so our members understand how, how core values, how ethics and how morality fit into the conduct that we expect out of our members. Um, And and that really drew out the the first part of that code of conduct, which talks about, you know, regardless of if you're you're a pledge or a a student member or an alumni or a volunteer, there's a common set of conduct that we expect out of our our members.
2: Yeah, and I'll just add on to that too is that, um, especially when I was a chapter advisor, the policies weren't always the easiest to find. They were buried in the bodsop, which was very wordy, I guess. And it wasn't common language. It, it was You could interpret it depending on how you wanted to. It was very almost, I don't want to say legalese, but it, it read that way at times. And one of the things that we would hear over and over and over again when we were helping out volunteers or students, they're like, where can I go to find this? And this is what we're trying to do is to make it easy um, to find Okay, here's our policy about health and fire safety, for example, or here's what our hazing policy is, you didn't have to dig through and the with the board of directors policy as well has everything in it, where this is very focused on how to conduct things and make sure that we're doing the best and representing the fraternity well. Um, And I've already talked even just in the last few months, even with the current environment that we're in, I've given this document to volunteers and students and they're like, this is so much easier. I wish we had had this before. So we're hoping that that's the case. And this this document isn't, I, I don't wanna say it's a living and breathing document, but it really is because we can change it as things Change or if we need to adapt to policy, or our insurance or our legal team tells us, Hey, we need to account for these things, all of that's going to be in here, and we can make updates to it that is easy to read and easy to digest. Um, especially if you're a student or a volunteer who maybe hasn't dealt with um, a situation before, where you know, we have a Christian, and I have in our team has a very unique perspective of all the things that happen on the fraternity level, um, but maybe that's something new to your region or your chapter, and this will help us, um, you know, help you facilitate getting through that.
1: Christian had mentioned Judiciary Review Boards. Who should be on those for a chapter?
2: Yeah, so the Judiciary board, Review Boards, um, it's kind of an ad hoc committee that you have if you need it, um, it's different than a compliance committee, and I can talk about that in a minute, but a, a judicial review board should not include anyone that is on executive board. It needs to be a separate entity because sometimes as an executive board, you're getting all of the stuff and maybe you're the one that things are being reported to. So it's important to have kind of a, a body within the chapter that isn't tied to the executive board. So it's a committee of non-executive board members, can be anybody in the chapter. So for example, with the judiciary committee, we cannot serve as volunteers in any other capacity in the fraternity. We can't be a section director or chapter advisor for conflict of interest purposes. So it's kind of like that. Um, It's just on a much smaller scale at your, your chapter level. And again, The idea with a Judiciary Review Board is it's only if something comes up and you need to have it. Um, It's different than a compliance board. A compliance review committee would be, hey, every event that we have, we're going to look at it and see how detailed it is or isn't and make sure that it's following policy so we don't have to have a situation later on that requires a judicial review board. It's kind of, think of compliance as the or compliance committee as the proactive and the judicial review board as the reactive and the other thing too with the the judicial review board if the chapter has to form one of those and actively has to start using it reach out to your volunteers talk to your chapter advisor talk to your section director and talk to your rd because they're going to be able to get you the help that you need Um, you can also talk with anybody at the heritage center Um, alec amber coral are all great people to to talk with about that because they'll be able to communicate with either whether it's the judiciary committee, the regional director. We just want to be able to help you. Don't try and do it all on your own. Nine times out of 10, everybody means really well, but they miss a step that's outlined in this code of conduct. And then we have to redo everything. And we just want to help you out from the get-go.
3: Yeah, I mean, I would emphasize um, the goal of the Judiciary Review Board is to impartially review matters that have been brought to its attention. And this can be really difficult for individual members in their chapter. Uh, if, if you think about it, the, the members on this panel, they're going to have access to more information than anybody else does when it comes to a specific incident that happened in your chapter. And, and you know, it can be very difficult for you to impartially look at that decision and and maybe make a decision that the chapter given you know, the limited amount of information they have, don't agree with. Um, but your job isn't to be popular or to make everybody happy. Your job is to have the best interest of not just the chapter uh, in mind, but also of, of the person who is alleged to have committed an infraction. You know, The goal of, of having this board, rather than just making decisions, is so everybody gets a fair chance. And, and everybody has the opportunity to provide their side of what happened um, to, to a group of people who the chapter believes are going to be fair. Uh, and, and when they make decisions, there's an expectation that those decisions are final because they have the most information and, and the most ability to make them. So you're looking for people who can kind of carry that respect in your chapter, but also have the personal courage to say, hey, you know, given the information I've received, this is what I feel even if it's not necessarily the most popular
1: decision. Awesome, thank you both for those explanations. Um, I think we've sort of seen the confusion between a JRB and a compliance committee before, and so thanks for pointing those out. So let's put ourselves in sort of the shoes of a member. Let's say a fellow member comes to you as a chapter leader with a report of a code of conduct infraction about another member, what do they do next?
3: When we think about the way that we do chapter operations, but also the way that we do discipline, the goal of Alpha Kappa Psi is to give collegiate members business experience before they go out into the business world. And you know, this is something I try to emphasize every time we go through uh, some sort of disciplinary issue inside a chapter. These are not unique to college campuses. They're not unique to Alpha Kappa Psi. They're not unique to your specific chapter. As a business leader, you're very often going to have to deal with the same problems that you're dealing with inside your chapter right now. And so it's the, the first question that you should ask yourself as, as a chapter leader who's received information about you know, a, an allegation is, can this problem be reserved, or excuse me, can this problem be resolved through some sort of mediation? Can we just talk this problem out? Um, and and the way to figure that out is to go into the code of conduct and look at the rules that we have in there for conduct. When you look through those, you should be asking yourself, is the allegation made something that violates one of one of the standards that we have in here? If the answer is yes, we're probably leaning towards a disciplinary hearing. But if the answer is no, then we're probably looking at something that can be resolved just by communication, by setting people down and saying, hey, you know, Let's talk this out let's see if we can resolve it. Um, so the first step I would say when a member receives an allegation is to go ahead and look through the code of conduct and make an assessment on, you know, is this going to be a conduct issue or is this going to be an interpersonal issue that could be resolved? Regardless of which way you go with that, the second step is to always contact either the uh help Capit staff or to contact a member of your volunteer team because I guarantee you they have experience working through these. These issues. And if they don't, they know who to call to to get a better understanding of where to go next. Um, I, I really and you know, Carrie and I both say this, but we really try to tell chapters the goal of our organization is to build business leaders. And you know, I think there's a lot of hesitancy about, hey, some issue happened, I don't know if I want to call somebody outside the chapter. You know, I would encourage you to realize that every single person in Alpha Kappa Psi outside your chapter has been involved in chapter operations before. You know, we're, we're, we are we're looking to, to help out. And so what we're looking to do is tell you, here are the next steps. So on that, it, if the decision is made that we're gonna do a disciplinary hearing, um, the best way to know how to move forward is to open up that code of conduct and go to the second part, about halfway through. And step by step, it will walk you through, this is how your chapter is gonna do a disciplinary hearing. There are rules of a disciplinary hearing that the chapter must comply with. The chapter has to tell the person who's been accused what they're accused of. The chapter has to give them a minimum amount of time to prepare themselves. And the chapter has to provide a date far enough in the future for this hearing that if something comes up, the member doesn't have to choose between missing an important life event and representing themselves at the disciplinary hearing. Those rules are, requ- are a requirement, and so if those rules aren't followed, by the time they make it up to the Judiciary Committee for final review, we will have to invalidate everything that happened, and, and you'll have to start from scratch. So I really encourage chapters to, to open up that book and abide by those timelines.
2: One thing to remember, too, if you decide that it's important to do a hearing, you have to notify the staff, specifically the Judiciary Committee staff liaison, which right now is Melinda. And so if you want to hold a hearing, you have to notify fraternity staff, so that way that we can get approval from the Judiciary Committee part of things. Because again, just like what Christian was talking about, you don't want to invalidate everything by missing one step. And we have these policies in place to protect the fraternity and our members, um, even if it's a member that's been accused of something. So we don't want that to to happen. and have you do all this hard work and then all of a sudden have to redo it or give it off to somebody else.
0: Thanks guys. Um, So the next question I think is something that is interesting because I think we've all dealt with it a little bit. Um, How serious does an allegation need to be in order for it to be brought up to the chapter's JRB?
2: I'll go back to Christian's point about look to see If you as an individual have access to this code of conduct because you're a member of the fraternity and everybody in the fraternity has access to this. If you look and say hey this allegation or this thing that I want to bring up. It falls into violating this policy absolutely bring it up, even if you don't. Think it might fall into it. It's still something to at least talk with your chapter leadership about. If you're not comfortable going to your e-board, try and talk with your volunteers, somebody else um, who maybe isn't right in the heart of it. Um, we've seen things happen where there might be personal conflict between somebody who wants to report it and somebody on the e-board or, or something like that, and they're not comfortable reporting it. We don't want you to not report it. If you're not comfortable reporting it to your chapter leadership, please reach out to a volunteer, look at the volunteer, talk, you know, and reach out to the staff. Anybody at the staff is gonna be able to at least help point you in the right direction of who we need to talk to. um, And we can help you figure that out, but I don't want anybody ever to feel like they can't report something. Once
1: a chapter does get an allegation, if it involves harassment against a member, what should they do in those cases?
3: Yeah, So, you know, I I think when we use the term harassment um, there's there's a little bit of nuance and kind of understanding what's going on between these two members. So the, the first kind of blanket statement, I want to make is that alpha Kappa Psi is not a substitution for the police or for your university, so you know our our job as members of our organization is to govern. The conduct of our members as it pertains to health Kappa Psi. that means that you know we we don't really have the ability to do anything outside of our fraternity. so all that being said if if this harassment is threatening a member you know you need to call the police you need to contact your uh, university you need to make sure that the, the situation is dealt with as safely and as quickly as possible you can notify the fraternity and and we can temporarily suspend a member what that will do is that'll prevent them from attending chapter events until the issue can be resolved Um, but you know the best way to move forward is to contact that first line volunteer or to contact the staff and let them know hey this is the situation we have going on what do you recommend that we do uh, as our next step and they can advise you now uh, if we're talking about an interpersonal conflict between two members, I'll go back to this, you know, this idea of uh, trying to resolve it between the members before we move toward a disciplinary hearing. The, the goal of the disciplinary hearing is to say to a member, you know, you have done something wrong and you must be disciplined for the action that you've done. A lot of times, this won't bring resolution to an interpersonal conflict. The, the person leaving that disciplinary hearing most of the time is not going to say, I guess it was wrong. And, um, you know, I'll never do it again. A lot of times those get resolved through helping both parties understand exactly what's going on and communicating uh, between them. And, you know, as, as a chapter leader, it takes a lot of courage to to be and lead in those awkward situations. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll give a, a brief example. We've We've dealt with a chapter in the past that you know, had this interpersonal, interpersonal conflict between these two members. And uh, eventually the Judiciary Committee decided that we would try to assist with mediation instead of, um, instead of doing a disciplinary hearing. So I reached out to one of the members, uh, kind of talked to them about what was going on, you know, got, got the story down of what they were saying and got a, a good understanding of it. I, I contacted the second member to talk to them And the story they told me was completely different than what the first member had told me, Uh, to the point where, you know, I I didn't want to say, hey, this is what the other person said. But, you know, I stopped them halfway through and kind of asked them to pull out their calendar and make sure we were talking about the same day. Completely different story. And, you know, after I finished talking to that second member, I said, hey, you know, I think that both of you are seeing only half of the story and we can kind of come together and resolve this. And so what we wound up doing is a joint conference call where we brought both numbers in, um, we brought in the chapter advisor and I started the meeting by saying, hey, you know what I wanna do before you two have an opportunity to talk is I wanna read you both what the other person said or, are you guys okay with that? And they both said, yes. Yeah. And so I read, I read both of the statements out to the other people and they both started laughing at the situation because they realized that, you know, a lot of this had just this is all kind of rooted in the fact that a text message had just been misinterpreted Uh, and instead of resolving it inside that thread they went into their separate threads with their separate echo chambers and it just got worse and worse and worse Um, i don't think that's a unique example i don't think that's a unique story uh for this one particular chapter it's only happened once I i think a lot of people listening to this can reflect back on situations that have happened inside their chapter and say you know if we had just talked about that earlier, we probably wouldn't have created the, the drama and the consternation that, that came later on, um, because the longer you wait to resolve these problems, the worse and worse it's going to get. And so you know, what, what, I, what I would ask for you to take away from this is, as chapter leaders, you're going to have to find that line between when something is resolvable, or when you believe it is resolvable through communication, and when it's not. And the best way to do that, in my opinion, is to talk to those volunteers, talk to the executive board, talk to the members of the staff up at the, the uh, Al Capitoli staff, and ask them for their opinion. Say, you know, this is kind of the problem that I'm dealing with. What do you see as the the next best step? Uh, And through that collaboration, I think a lot of chapter leaders can get to a place where they don't have to be holding disciplinary hearings. Instead, they can kind of, find resolution and be comfortable with the resolution that they've come up with. And the last thing I'll say is these, you know, mediations can always be very awkward. And that's again, why volunteers are here. We can sit in on these calls. We can sit in on these meetings in kind of a post COVID environment. We don't have to say anything, but you know, if there are questions about what rules exist or maybe examples of the past members and volunteers have the ability to kind of chime in and provide that insight and background. Um, the goal of this is to grow as people. So when we become business leaders, we can, and we're confronted with situations, we can look back at our time in Alpha Cappa I and say, you know, I've dealt with this before and I, I kind of know where to go from here And so doing it for the first time uh, in that business role uh, when you've started your career.
2: Yeah, and I'll just kind of tag to that a little bit too. Um when you get into the the business world and into the the real world, uh, quote unquote, you're not gonna get dragged into the HR's office or your manager's office every single time that maybe you do something incorrectly or maybe you violated a policy. You're gonna get a situation where maybe you have a meeting with your manager or HR to talk about this and try and facilitate and have those kind of awkward conversations. You don't automatically jump right to disciplinary aspects of things. So that's one thing to kind of keep in mind too, is even though sometimes when we're students in the chapter, everything feels really, really uh, frustrating at times, especially if you're dealing with a situation that um, isn't ideal or isn't as nice as we'd like it to be to make life go easier, just try and take a step back and just take a deep breath and, and what have you and realize that this is not the end of the situation. Like this is not the end of the world right now as it's, it may feel that way, but it's not. And use those volunteers um, that again can help you because we've seen a lot of stuff as volunteers. Um, and it's just, whether it's through the fraternity or just through life in general, we can you know help guide your, your thought process to help figure out what's the best option.
1: Awesome. It brought to my mind when you guys were talking about um, the JRBs and then the process that chapters go through, um, determining if it's discipline or if it can be done through mediation is, so if you go through, if a chapter does go through and use their JRB and the chapter comes out with whatever the consequence should be, that isn't, like it has to be reviewed by the JC, correct? Could you guys go a little bit more in detail of like the chapter's gone through their process and then sort of what happens after that? Because I see a lot of chapters have either expo- trying to um, take away somebody's membership or putting somebody on suspension. They sort of, they see it as that's gonna happen right after the JRB brings that down.
2: Yeah, so it would be a situation where the Judiciary Committee would ask for what the results of the JRB's um, outcome was. There have to be basically an executive summary. This is when we held it. This, you know, we held the hearing here. We gave notice to this person on this date. This is what the review board has found out. This is what the person said during the, the hearing. This is the JRB's recommendation. The only way then, and just to, to clarify, the only group that can expel anyone from the fraternity is the board of directors. The chapter can't, Christian and I can't, the staff can't. Nobody, I mean as much as you would like to be able to just cut it, cut you know ties and move on, we can't do that. Um, so if that's the direction that the chapter wants to go, um, talk with your volunteers so that they can get in contact with staff and, and the Judiciary Committee, but we're going to have to review everything that the chapter did, and that takes times. So it can take a few weeks sometimes, so it's not an immediate turnaround. Um, we can recommend suspension um, if we agree with what the chapter recommended. We can say, yep, you can be suspended, but you can't go into your... Um, database and say okay they're suspended for disciplinary reasons the only reason you can suspend somebody at the chapter level is for chapter related operations issues not for discipline so it throws up a red flag for the staff and us and the volunteers to to take a look and see exactly what's going on so it's important to make sure that if you want to suspend someone that if you're doing it, make sure that we're doing it for the right reasons. And that's where the kind of the checks and balances come in. The other part of it is too, is just sometimes it's just a one-off kind of mistake kind of a thing. It's not a habitual problem. And so we might say, hey, maybe there's an action plan that we can put in here instead of suspending the person for for a period of time. So that's always something to consider too. Just make sure that what If you put an action plan together for a member or for a pledge or anything like that, just make sure that it's attainable and quantitative, not just like random pipe dream, like pie in the sky type items that nobody's ever going to be able to to hit.
3: Yeah, I'll say this process benefits the chapter as well. So like Carrie said, the documents that you create and the decision that you come up with is ultimately going to be forwarded up to the Judiciary Committee. And the goal is going to be to for us to review this and we're going to compare it to other cases that have happened across the country. Um, and we're going to make sure that as a fraternity, we're doing things as fairly as possible. Now, once that's done, we'll provide the chapter if, if, decision, if something needs to change, we're going to provide the chapter with feedback and say, hey, you know, this is we reviewed it and, and this is what we're seeing from our end. Can you provide us more information? If not, this is kind of what we think, where we think we should go with the case, maybe more appropriate discipline that we should take. Um, but either way, when that feedback comes back down to your chapter, your chapter now has information that they can use for the next disciplinary hearing that they have. And the chapter can continue to refine their process until they've really perfected it. Now, in a perfect world, chapters aren't having disciplinary hearings at all because you know everybody's abiding by our code of conduct. But we all know that's not realistic. And so, uh, when we have the opportunity to exercise these muscles, it's a, we want to take advantage of it. We want to make sure everybody's involved in it, everybody knows what's going on, and you're getting that feedback down at your level that says, okay, you know, we did the right thing here. We should do this next time. Or maybe there's some issues with our process that weren't perfect. Uh, and That feedback came back down. So, we know next time.
2: And just another thing, too, is it, a, a hearing should be like a last resort. Um... I just wanna put that out there. I know we've alluded to it a little bit, but really it should be like, this should be the, the last thing that we should do. We try mediation first, try and, and figure out what's going on before we result to you know a disciplinary action. Cause this, this is fraternity is a learning environment. So um, I know I've had plenty of chances to succeed and fail within this organization, both as a student and as a alumni. And that's one thing that we have to remember Um, is that we're all learning and we all learn in different ways.
0: All right. So looking towards the future, um, is there anything in the works for just future terms regarding the JC or code of conduct or anything like that?
2: I know we're working on some videos that kind of break down the code of conduct. There's six of them that are available right now. And I know that there's some more that will be coming. I don't know when but they'll be coming. Um, that will make it easier to digest. Um, they are no more than five minutes. So you can go check those out on the AKSI's, uh YouTube page.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think as we start to move back into an, a post-COVID environment where we have the opportunity to get together during our Leadership institutes, during our conventions, um, we're gonna have more opportunity to sit down with members and talk to them about the Code of Conduct. Typically, we try to get out to as many events as we can, Um, not only to give an understanding of the code of conduct, but it's a good opportunity for members to sit down with volunteers and say, you know, I don't really want to put this in an email or this is a complicated issue and it wasn't for a phone call, but I'm having this problem. How do you see it resolved? And so I would always encourage members when you have the opportunity to go do public HAPSI events outside of the chapter, take that opportunity. And when you meet with people there, you know, have that open conversation with them and collaborate, even if it's students from another chapter say, we're dealing with this problem, have you ever faced that and how did you resolve it? Um, And we can kind of build a more collaborative environment for the entire fraternity.
1: Um, The final question is just where where can chapters go to find more information? Um, I think all of us will agree the code of conduct is sort of the first place to go first to make sure that um, we get all the information as well as there's still a JC, like contact the JC form. Is that the best way to contact the JC or is it through the different other contacts?
2: That's one way to do it. It will get to us. Um, It comes to Christian and I and members of the staff. Um, That's one way to do it. If that's an easy place to do it, just go there. It's also a place that you can officially report something to, but it doesn't have to be that. I mean, if you just have a general question, that's a place to talk to us too. Also, Christian and I maintain emails that are on the website as well, um, and we can hopefully link to those somewhere in show notes if there are show notes. Um, And it's definitely one of those things, I don't want to speak for Christian, but I, my experience has been both with him and I, is that if something comes up, we're going to try and take the opportunity to talk with you about it we both of us are much more of let's how can we be proactive how can we fix this before it gets to be something big we don't want to do an investigation we don't want to have hearings we would rather try and help you earlier in the situation
3: yeah we've been very fortunate that we've maintained our uh our url it's very easy to find it's aksi.org slash jc like judiciary committee aksi.org/jc. Once you go to that page, it'll immediately pull up. The first thing you're gonna see is a, is a pretext area where you can type in an incident and hit the submit button and it will send it to us immediately. Uh, everybody on the Judiciary Committee gets a copy of their inbox so we can respond immediately to it. Below that, you're gonna see all the members of the Judiciary Committee. And then at the very bottom is a link that takes you directly to the Code of Conduct. You don't have to look in the governing documents page or anything like that really akside.org/jc is that one-stop shop for everything conduct-related, at least on the Judiciary Committee side.
1: Perfect. Thank you guys both so much for um, sitting down and talking with us today. Um, I know that you guys answered a lot of questions that we usually get and that you guys see from chapters who are just trying to understand what the process is. So I want to thank you guys both again, Um, and this has been Operations Avenue. Mm Thanks for listening to another episode
0: of Operations Avenue. If you guys have any questions or concerns, please reach out to CERC at AKSide.org. And if you'd like to check out the previous episodes of the podcast, you can do that at AKSide.org slash operations avenue dash podcast. Thanks, and we'll talk to you next time.